Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. Um, How many of you uh, believe that we are in a special era and a special season with God? Come on, raise your hand. This is special. It's special. How many of you feel pressed in this season? Come on, I feel a little pressed in this season. I feel like there's a lot of things that are going goofy in this season. A lot of things in our world that, that I think could cause us, if we have the wrong lens, to be afraid. Some people are concerned about the rights that they carry as a United States citizen, and they're concerned that their rights have been uh, usurped, Right? I'm not afraid of that. Jesus told me to lay down all my rights. And every time Jesus was pressed, he laid his rights down. And he's the example. I'm not worried about my individual rights. Now, I will speak out and I'll do the things I need to do as a U.S. citizen when I feel like those things are being uh, infringed uh, because that's that's my duty as a citizen to do that. But I don't take up my rights... In, in any other fashion than to lay them before the Lord and say, God, what are you asking me to do with them? Right? Because if we're not partnering with God, we're partnering with the devil. So this brings us to this concept that I've been talking about for weeks on end, which is the fear of the Lord. We've talked about the fear of the Lord and how that, that when we fear the Lord, we realize that he's our provider. We're not afraid of lack. We're not afraid of loss. Why? He's our provider. We have a, we have, when we have a healthy vision of who God is, we see him as our provider. The fear of the Lord puts him in proper perspective to where we can say he is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. How many of you remember that song? Come on, it was, it was, it was happening back in the day. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I mean, come on, we get down. We get down to Jehovah Jireh. We're in an era of wisdom. We, we went through a, about a decade of really a revelation of, of God's gift of knowledge and the words of knowledge. How many of you agree with that? Like God would speak very clearly through people things that they shouldn't know. <laughs> And then they would say something, and you're like, oh, my goodness, that's amazing, because those gifts are for today, the words of wisdom, words of knowledge, along with the others. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that it stopped, right? We can do some circular reasoning around if prophecy ceases, if teaching ceases, when that which is perfect has come. That which is perfect is not the written word, even though the written word is perfect. It's talking about Jesus, because we still need prophecy, we still need teaching. How many of you know teachers teach, Right? So why would, why would tongue cease? If those things are relevant, why would it suddenly, this one is bad, but the rest are good? Like, it just doesn't make actual sense. Um, now, it can be scary being in a Pentecostal charismatic church. <laughs> People chuckling, because you done had your pants scared off a couple times, I think. Or weirded out or whatever. But, you know, the reality is, is that everything that we do is grounded in the word of the Lord. It is grounded in the word of God. And I want to ground you today in the fear of the Lord. 
I've really felt the press on this because I think some of us, we, we've encountered the love of God in a manner to where we've now diminished his majesty. We've diminished his majesty because we're familiar with his love. And we don't respond to his holiness the way that we should with radical life-altering obedience because we're waiting for our buddy to change our circumstances when he's saying, you need to move. I am the creator of heaven and earth. I am the one who put life in you. Please follow me and do what I'm asking you to do. But we don't fear the Lord that way. Well, he loves me, so he'll just give me everything I need. Yes, he will. And, and, when he asks you to move, you move. Would you agree with that? Okay, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm talking out of turn or that I'm blowing somebody's mind in the context of the fear of the Lord. I think you guys all get this. But let me just say that as we enter into this era of wisdom, we need the gift of wisdom in this season. We need a revelation of the wisdom of God in this season. We will not get the wisdom of God until we understand the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Can I just say, if you're struggling with confusion and you're battling with knowing what to do, can we just focus on the Lord and the fear of the Lord? Because he will settle it out for you. This verse teaches that the fear of God is foundational to true wisdom. All other types of learning are worthless unless built upon a knowledge of the Lord himself. Many other passages talk about the fear of the Lord. Let's go over a couple. Psalm 111 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Proverbs 14, 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. Proverbs 15, 33, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. I love that the Lord connects humility, obedience, and life to the fear of the Lord. Before we can understand how the fear of the Lord leads to wisdom, of course, we need to better define what the Bible means by, the, by fear in this context. Um, I've heard many messages on the fear of the Lord, and they focus on the wrath and the judgment of God. Anybody else heard fear of the Lord about focused on the wrath of God? I, I, I struggle with it a little bit, not because he's not a God of wrath. He is a God of wrath. He's a God of perfect justice. And he does deal with mankind according to his perfect justice. And he does exert wrath upon the sons of men. We can't ignore that about God. He punishes sin. Agreed? Agreed. As a believer, he punished my sin on the cross. Jesus took all the punishment for my sin. So as a believer, my fear of God, I am not concerned with his wrath anymore. 
As a sinner, as somebody who's wholly separated from God, I should be deathly afraid of his wrath. As someone who does not know Jesus, and if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, you have been separated from God. If you don't know Jesus, if you have not made him Lord of your life, there is a separation for you. And it's heartbreaking to say it out loud. Just to know that if you don't know him, even if you think you're a believer, can I just say, Jesus said, Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not do this? Did we not do that? It's not about your doing. It's about knowing a man, Jesus, about knowing the Holy One, God. It's about walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, all three being God, one, one God. The Trinity is confusing, but that's what the Word lays out for us. So, we need to know God, not just do things. But we do things because we know God. How many of you know that to be true? Because you know God and he prompts you to do something, you just go, do that thing. You read the scriptures and it says that you should no longer lust after a woman in your heart. So guess what you got to do? Maybe pluck out your right eye. According to Jesus, like do whatever it takes to take care of that sin. Amen? Amen. So we, we, when there's things in our life that we recognize are not from the Lord, we need to lean into the Lord in order, in our relationship with God, in order to be freed from that thing that has overwhelmed us or overtaken us in any form or any area. In the Bible, the word translated fear can mean several things. And, and we're going to talk about a healthy version of the fear of the Lord in a way that maybe you haven't had it preached to you yet in, in your life. The word translated fear starts with the terror one feels in a frightening situation. The terror feels in a frightening situation. So in, I, I love in, in Deuteronomy 2, 25. Right, God says that he will put the dread of fear into the hearts of the nations that, that the Israelites would encounter. That God was going to be with them so powerfully that he would strike fear into the opposing nations. And what's funny is it says in, in Deuteronomy 2, it says, hey, we're about to enter into this new territory. And as we go into this new territory, it's filled with the giants, the people they were terrified of. And God says, actually, no, they're going to be deathly afraid of you. That's cool. I like that. But that's that word terror, right? Like that, that dread, fear. And then we also see in respect being a meaning, right? It can mean respect in the way that a servant fears his master and serves him faithfully. Joshua 24, 14, right? The people are entering into covenant with God at Shechem. This is in Joshua's farewell address. Okay, so they have, they have crossed over. They've been taking the land, and Joshua is saying goodbye to them because he knew his time on this earth was ending, right? I'm just going to open that up real quick. Joshua chapter 2, or tw I'm sorry, 24. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. The fear of the Lord does mean respect the Lord. Serve him. Honor him. 
The fear of the Lord can also denote reverence and awe a person feels in the presence of greatness. Anybody ever been around somebody that was great and you were like, what? Okay, I, I played basketball in high school and college and there was a, a moment where I got to play with some pro players. Oh, you're like, Lord, give me that anointing. You know, because they, there's a skill level through the roof and you're like, Oh, man, tens of thousands of hours in the gym got them there and some God-gifted skill and ability, but it's, for me, awe-inspiring. Isaiah had an awe-inspiring moment when he is before the Lord and he is called to be a prophet. He said that he saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, two he flew, and one cried to another and said, holy, 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 I love the Hebrew, because when it repeats it three times, that's actually a volume knob. The repetition is about how, how loud it is. So holy, holy, holy is like, holy, it's like as loud as it gets, holy. Who the whole earth is full of his glory, and the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke, and this is it. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The fear of the Lord inspires all reverence respect, and at times, terror. It's a combination of all those, dread, respect, and awe. The fear of the Lord can be defined as this, the, continuous, the continual awareness that our living, loving Heavenly Father who sees everything is greater in holiness, majesty, and power than we have fully known. Our loving Heavenly Father is being revealed. He sees everything in his holiness, his majesty, and his power is greater than we have yet to see. So the taste that we receive here is small in comparison to the fullness of God revealed. God in his perfect love and majesty is greater than any other thing that we should revere or fear. Amen? He's the judge of all things, will correct, guide, and discipline us as his sons. So how do we discover and walk in the fear of the Lord? Um, in order to grow in the fear of the Lord, we must recognize God for who he is. We must glimpse with our spirits the power, might, beauty, brilliance of the Lord God Almighty. Those who fear the Lord have a continual awareness of him, a deep reverence for him, and a sincere commitment to obey him. I think that the fear of the Lord is important to wisdom because, it, I, Kevin, you cracked me up with the whole thing about like obedience and walking through that place in the natural of, of submission, where, where, which submission is an empowerment and it's a safety place. Let's just be really clear. Submission is safety and empowerment. It is not about control. 
I'll let you sit on that for a second because I think God's rewiring some of your brains. Submission is about empowerment and safety. In every reference to submission, it is about empowerment and safety. Proverbs 1, 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This verse gives us added insight. The scholars call this type of poetry um, antithetical parallelism. Okay, so, so what they're talking about is that there's two sides being played out in, the, in, the, in this verse, right, in this, in this poetry, right? And they, they, they don't coincide with each other. They're opposites, but they're parallel. Does this make sense? Right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise, despise wisdom and instruction, The wise person is wise because he starts at the foundation of the Lord. He starts at the right beginning. The fool has no foundation on which to build wisdom. This is, you know, it reminds me of Romans um, 1, where we see this pathway of a heart that's hardened to God, and then there's a pathway that they go down, And in verse um, 21, it says um, that those who neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. And this is a description of people who try to obtain wisdom while ignoring God. It cannot be done for the simple reason that God is not the source of their wisdom. Psalm 14, 1 says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. (laughs) So the wisdom that the world proclaims is wise is foolishness to God. So we must operate in a different form of wisdom that's based on the fear of the Lord, not the fear of man. We've talked a lot about boldness and being bold. Well, we have proper vision of God in order to actually be bold right? The link between the fear of God and wisdom means that we cannot possess wisdom if we recreate God in our own image. Let me say that again. You cannot possess wisdom if you recreate God in your own image. Well, this is the God that I want. I wish that God would do this, therefore I'm going to create my God in a manner in which he doesn't act. I'm going to create a God in my heart that is far different than the God of the Bible. And I'll find a verse, I'll find one verse to hang all of his characteristics on. Because that's the one I like the most. Well, he said, if I pray with faith, I can have anything I want. Yes, he did, but that's not his whole character. He's bigger. Amen? Bigger, 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 bigger. Well, God, you said that, that you would never leave me nor forsake me, and I feel like uh, you're gone. No, his word is true. What I'm feeling in the moment is not the same God, 
what I think God is doing is not true. Because God has said that he will never leave me nor forsake me. Right? We talked about removing the deception last week, right? So we have to begin to see God clearly. There's a lot of examples of this. Um, one of the things that, that I think is interesting is that many of us have made God into a tame God, into a non-threatening nobody. When God breathed and spoke at creation, everything came into being, everything. At his word, it was spoken. At his word, it was created. This is the same God. The same God. Many of us have redefined the Lord to be a God that makes us comfortable. Dennis, you said it right on earlier. He is not here for your comfort. He is not a permissive buddy who exists simply to bless us and give us what we want. We need a correction. Are you guys okay? Are you guys okay with me right now? Listen, we need a correction about the magnitude of who God is. If we don't believe God in who he says he is, we will not fear him the way that he needs to be feared. We won't respond to his promptings. In fact, we'll pray that God change his mind for us. We'll begin to pray, God, that thing that you're asking me to do, I don't want to do that. So God, will you just provide another way? It's okay. Jesus did it in the garden. Lord, if there be any other way. Yet, not my will, but your will be done. We have to land at who God is and what he has spoken. In fact, I, I, I just want to read a... Uh, I, there's two parables, or, or yeah, parables that I want to read this morning that Jesus talks about because Jesus is uh, perfect theology. Jesus is the perfect revelation of who the Father is. Agreed? He's the perfect revelation of who the Father is. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus says some things that really mess me up on the fear of the Lord. I don't know about you guys, but, you know, if Jesus said it, I'm probably going to pay attention to it. I don't know about you guys. I'm, I'm going to do that. Jesus said it. I should probably pay attention. Right? Matthew chapter 10. Verse 27, whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what, it, what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body and cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Well, we like to, you know, if I was preaching a gospel of fear that says that, that it's the fear of God that causes people to repent, which isn't, you know, like, okay, you come into this reality of, of who God is, and you should have a sense of fear and repent. 
but it's his love that draws us. It's his love that causes us to actually turn because his love is being shed in our hearts. Amen? Amen. So I don't ever want to preach a gospel of good news based on bad news. I want to preach the gospel of good news in that he came to set you free. He came to give you life and life abundantly. He came so that you would know that every hair on your head is numbered and you're more valuable than the sparrows who get to eat every day without worry, without concern. But he makes this statement, do not fear those who kill the body and cannot kill the soul. He says very clearly, don't fear man, but fear God. Don't fear man, but fear God. God wants to root out our fear of man in this season so that we can operate in wisdom. Many of us are not doing what God has asked us to do because we're afraid of what people will think about us. Many of us are trying to be bold, but we're doing it out of spite or out of a wound instead of just the fear of the Lord. That's why some of our Facebook feeds look pretty gnarly. Just saying, they look gnarly because we're not fearing God more than man. And God is not interested in us fighting with people. This is a spiritual battle. And you can speak the truth in what? Say it again. Wait, one more time. Love. You can confront things with love. Amen, hallelujah. Pastor's preaching today. He's letting us see another glimpse of the fear of the Lord. And I'm, I realize that I have shortcomings like all of you. I have shortcomings like all of you. The Lord is rooting out the fear of man in me because where we are going, we got to be big and we got to be bold and we can't be afraid of criticism. We can't be afraid of people saying, saying oh, well, you're supposed to be this and you're not this. And blah. No, I fear the Lord. I am not afraid of your accusation, devil. We're not going to do that with wisdom until we fear the Lord. One of the reasons why I don't get vocal about this stuff on Facebook is because I don't have a full revelation of what he's asked me to do yet. And I get stirred up and fired up and want to shoot back the Don't you like my typing tone? I want to do that, but I don't because I haven't heard a word from the Lord yet on how his wisdom is going to be revealed in me in that. I need a better picture of who he is in this season and the wisdom that he's pouring out before I move. But if I'm not crying out to the Lord, I'm not humbling myself before the, before the God of the universe, and I'm not asking for wisdom in it, then I'm never going to move because he wants to empower his people through his power and his majesty, understanding the fear of the Lord, so that we do not fear the ones who can kill the body. We fear the one who can cast the soul and the body into hell. He's the, big, he's the dude who can do that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend way more energy on what he thinks about me than what man thinks about me because he loved me so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for me to pay for all of my sin so that in this moment I'm freed from the punishment of sin. And someday I'm going to be freed from the presence of sin. And I can't wait for that. 
and he's freeing me from the power of sin in my life right now. Hallelujah. God is working all that out. So I've got to see him clearly in order to have wisdom for today. Can I just say we need to make wisdom a priority? And it starts with the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 3.13, Proverbs 16.16 say that we are to seek wisdom above all else. You want to understand wisdom? Read Proverbs chapter 2. The whole chapter is about wisdom. Until, Until our hearts are in a right relationship with God, we are unable to have the wisdom that comes from heaven. Without the fear of the Lord, we may gain knowledge of earthly things. We can even see what the devil's doing. Come on, how many of you can see what the devil's doing? Like he just kind of plays his hand. He's out there. He's in the open. He's just doing it. He has been for a long time. He's, no, he's not even trying, like he's got, like John 5, 1 John 5 says that the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. Like we can see it. Let it not be so among us. Without the fear of the Lord, we're going to gain these knowledge of, this knowledge of earthly things. And you know what's funny? We might even make practical choices for this life based on our own knowledge and our own wisdom. We'll make practical choices for this life, but we're missing the one ingredient that the Bible uses to define a wise person, and that is the fear of the Lord. The other parable I want to touch on is Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. And I would love for you to turn there with me if you can in your Bibles or on your, on your uh, t- digital device. Here we have, let's see, Luke 12, 16 through 21. There it is. It says, Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. In this parable of the rich farmer, the rich farmer had a wise and practical plan for his prophets. But God said to him, you fool. Why? Because the farmer's plans were made with no thought of God and no thought of eternity. When you're making practical decisions, if you do not fear the Lord... You're building your house on sand. 
And God wants us to do everything in wisdom, which is built on the fear of the Lord. If you haven't consulted God about your financial and retirement plan, about how to get out of debt, about how to deal with the the weight of finances in your life, if you have not consulted with the Lord on that, you might be just operating in your own practical wisdom. Without the fear of the Lord, we make final decisions based on our faulty human understanding. When we incorporate the fear of the Lord into every moment of our lives, we make decisions based upon His voice and His approval. Sometimes that's hard. Somebody say amen. Sometimes that's hard to receive the wisdom of the Lord that goes against the thing that I think is going to keep me safe. Sometimes it's hard when you get a word from the Lord that calls you into a place that's not that safe, doesn't feel safe to me. Who's my provider? Who's my protector? He is. So he will challenge those areas in your life where he is not your provider and he's not your protector. Why? Because he wants all of you. And it's a much easier process when we begin to behold him in his glory and his majesty and his power and we lay down our need for self-protection. We lay down our need for self-preservation. We lay down our need to be wise in our own eyes and then we can come before the Father and lay all of that before him and it is in that place that he then gives you the wisdom from heaven. You humble yourself and say, God, I need your wisdom, not mine. I want to fulfill your will, not mine. So often, I've seen so many destinies shortcut, shortcut, because they weren't willing to wait for God to tell them to go. They just went anyways. They weren't willing to suffer and endure in the season that God had them in because they were so pent up with a desire to prove themselves. How about we stop it and let the Lord build the house? Your house, you. Let the Lord build you. God is wanting to rewire our understanding of Him so that we can operate in His wisdom instead of just doing what we think is best all the time. When we incorporate the fear of the Lord into every moment of our lives, we make decisions based on his voice and approval. We live with the knowledge that the creator of the universe is intimately involved in our every move. The creator of the universe wants to be intimately involved in your every move. He wants to be intimately involved with your attitudes. He, want to be, he wants to be intimately involved with your emotions. He wants to be intimately involved in your marriage. He wants to be intimately involved with your children and you as parents. He wants to be intimately involved with your finances. He wants to be intimately involved with your schedule. He wants to be intimately involved in every little area of your life. There's so many times I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to do? He goes, what do you want to do? I said, well, I like to do that. He's like, I'm good with that. Let's go. Okay, cool. But I've spent time with the Father, and I've honored the no. 
when he said, no, this is not the time for that. How many of you know that I, I, got, I, I tend to be visionary? People chuckle. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? I'm a visionary. Who knew? I got eight phases of building projects on this property already mapped. It's not a joke. I do. I see it. I see it. I got vision. And yet God's like, yeah, Chris, I know you want to run there. No, not, not yet. Hold your horses, son. Slow down, son. The priority of this season is not to build. The priority of this season is for me to build. Whew. Yes, Lord. When you have a healthy fear of the Lord, you don't mind the no because you know he's best. Whatever he says is best for me, and it's best for you. Every time he says no, it is good. Every time he denies you the thing that you think you want, it is good. Every time, every time he doesn't move that circumstance, he is good. Quit holding God hostage to your circumstances. He is good. And when you begin to fear the Lord, you can embrace the hardship of a bad circumstance because he's going to be with you in it instead of you having to fix it all by yourself. He's right there in it. This is the fear of the Lord. I had an encounter with God that took out some of that fear of man and it took out me being wise in my own eyes. Why? Because he said, Look at me in my glory. Look at me in my majesty. Look at me at how big I am. Stop trying to do it on your own. <sighs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I don't want it any other way. I don't want it any other way. Because he's always good. He is the best all the time. The best. It's not just good. It's the best all the time. And we get pumped up with pride and think, I'll fix it. Our respect for God's majesty causes us to honor him. Our gratitude for his mercy causes us to serve him well. Our intimacy with God keeps us from sin. The more you know him, the less you want to not be in his presence. The less you want to carry around that lump of shame of coal shame in your back pocket, weighing you down everywhere you go. When you, when you come in contact with the Lord and you get to know him a little bit deeper, he sets you more free every time. Every time he will set you more free from anything that has held you back. He will set you free a little bit more today. And he'll set you free again. And he'll set you free again. Every time that, that stronghold comes up in your life of doubt and fear and, and self-sufficiency and all that, you encounter the living God and it starts to dissipate. I have a pastor friend of mine who said that for the first five years of his ministry, he struggled with pornography. Just every once in a while, it would come up and he just didn't have the will 
or the ability to say no to that temptation and he would give in and, and he would feel the shame and the guilt and all that that came with it and, and he would repent and, and fully repent before the Lord and yet he kept it hidden, right? Did not, did not deal with it appropriately the way that you were called to deal with things, which is confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed, right? And he said he was just in this season where he was just very broken and seeking the Lord and seeking the Lord and seeking the Lord. And he shared with some friends what was going on in his life. And in that moment, he began to encounter God on a different level and all desire and all anything just began to dissipate as he saw God in his holiness. And he's been walking pure for 15 years. Because he saw God in his holiness. He didn't have to strive harder to fix his problem. When we encounter God, he transforms us. And you know what really messed him up is that God didn't condemn him. God saw him, didn't condemn him. He said, son, I love you. Will you let me in? Will you let me in? Wisdom is also formed in community. Let me just close us with a couple of things here. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Whew. Proverbs 19, 8. He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will find good. Sometimes when you're having a difficult time with the Lord, you're not hearing him, you're struggling. Come on, we've all been there, right? Like, like let's just put it out there. And you may get there again. Who knows? I hope not. But this stuff happens. I believe strongly that God has put men and women of wisdom in this house to help you have wisdom and to hear God on your behalf when you're struggling. There is no reason to be isolated or withdrawn when you're struggling, period. This is when you need the body the most. The reality of Wisdom in community is all, it's all about encountering God with each other. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, give yourself fully to the Lord. And maybe you need to rededicate yourself fully to the Lord today. Maybe there's been areas in your life that you've been hanging on to in your own wisdom, in your own strength, in your own power. You need to give that to the Lord. You need to invite the Holy Spirit to come in and begin to move in you in those areas so that you can see his glory, his power, and his majesty in it. So that you can see him clearly. Make him the Lord of your life and allow there to be a reverence to it. Not buddy, buddy, but he's God. He is God. 
treat him with the respect he deserves. Give your life to a good father who knows what is best for you at every turn. Every turn. He doesn't miss a thing. He doesn't waste anything. Begin to trust him again. Ask God to show you who he is, not just who you want him to be. He is good. He always wants to reveal himself to you. So when you come before the Lord, and this is in prayer, maybe in worship, maybe wherever you're at, you're in a stressful moment, you come before the Lord and you say, God, I need to see who you are in this. I need to see who you are. I need to encounter who you are. Ask and you will receive. God, I need you to show me who you are in this moment. Oftentimes, he'll just respond simply with, I am. I am. I am. I am here. I am your God. I'm everything that you need. I am your provider. I am. He'll just start telling you who he is in the context of, I am. The battle that we face most often is that we want a God who does what we want him to do. So when he says, I am, we argue. But I don't see that part of you. He goes, no, just can you look at me? Look at me. Quit arguing. Look at me. I am. I am. I am. I see you. I see your situation. I am. I am. I am. We need to ask God to reflect his wisdom in our life. God, will you reflect your wisdom in my life? May I know you so well that I can humble myself at any moment and reflect your wisdom instead of my own wisdom. And then we need to make his wisdom our priority. Can we stop making decisions in a bubble? Stop making decisions in a bubble of you, yourself, and I, or just you and your spouse. Get some outside counsel, get some wisdom, lay out the truth of the matter with people who will love you and accept you, even if it's ugly truth. You have that here. We've seen ugly truth, and we love people right through the middle of that. Why? You're important to the Father. So wherever you're at today, that is not where you are going. It's not. And sometimes we have a hard time seeing it on our own. So invite some people into your life to provide you with some wisdom. I love coffee. I'm happy to have coffee. I love meals. Let's eat. Amen. There's great leaders here who love deeply and care deeply for each of you. Don't close yourself off to the wisdom that is in this room. Because you think you got to do it on your own. Just me and Jesus. Jesus.
There's a reason why he put us in community. He put us in family. So seek the wise among you. Will you stand with me as we pray? I felt like it was a little more teaching than preaching today, but I, I, I just really felt like we need to get grounded in the word of God on our fear of the Lord and really putting God in his proper place in our lives. Amen. We have to put him in his proper place in our hearts, in our minds, and in our lives. And it's easy to go about our own business. It's easy to go about and just keep doing the things that we're doing and just asking God to bless it. And then we just keep messing up and we wonder why nothing ever goes right. And then we're like, God, where are you? Well, can we just start building on the foundation of him? Of God, I just want to see you. And then now let him be the one who causes all of our steps to be put into motion instead of asking God to bless the path we already walked down. His word is a lamp unto our feet. Lamps don't go very far. So maybe his word that is a lamp to your feet is just for your next step. But if we don't do that in relationship with a good God, a loving Father, who is the creator of heaven and earth, who sees everything already. He sees everything. He saw all the dark places. He's seen the wounds in your heart. He's seen it all. And since he's seen it all, he knows you. And he loves you, still loves you. And he's willing to walk with you through anything. Craig, he'll walk with you through anything. He'll walk with you through anything. Terry, he'll walk with you through anything. But he wants to lead your path. He wants to lead your path. The stories of your past, David, are dead. They're buried in Christ. They're no longer to play a part in your future. Because you see God in his holiness and his majesty. And he sent Jesus to wipe away all of that. So that you can walk with boldness into the future. Will you put your hands out to receive from the Lord because he's here. He wants you to he wants to encounter you right now. So we say Holy Spirit come. Holy Spirit come. You're a good father, Lord. You're a good good father. And you desire that we be the people of God who see you clearly. And father, we talked about getting a new perspective on your love last week. And, and this week we're saying, God, we want to respect you. We want to honor you. We want to revere you. We want to walk in this awe of you. We want every moment to be in an awareness of your presence, to intimately know you, to no longer be a people, to no longer be a people who will wander around just doing what we find best. But God, we want to build our house on the rock of Jesus Christ. We want your word to be our foundation. We want you to build us into the temple of God that you've called us to be. God, will you reveal your goodness in every heart as you pour your love into them, that they would see that there is no failure too great. There is no miss too big. Yes, yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, I declare freedom over every heart here. 
freedom to just let go and, and let God come in. Let him pass the walls. Let him pass the barriers that you've put up to him. God, I'm asking that you would knock and they would open the door. God, you say that you're knocking. So Lord, may they open their doors to those closed off places and let you in. God, that they would no longer be wise in their own eyes, that they would no longer esteem their own judgment better than yours, and that they would let, lay their life down and say, God, I surrender. I give it to you. What are you asking me to do? What is your wisdom in this situation? What does it say? And forgive me for accusing you of being absent. Forgive me, God, of accusing you of not taking care of my need. God, forgive me for accusing you of not being a perfect, holy God that sees me clearly. Lord, I love you. Come on, church, will you just tell them how much you love them in your own words? Just, God, I love you. I love you, Lord. I love you. I am so grateful. I, my heart is so full of thanksgiving for what you've done, for the gift that you've given me of life and freedom in Christ. Thank you, God, that you've covered every sin. I love you, Lord. That you covered every failure. I love you, Lord. That you've covered every mistake. I love you, Lord. You covered when I totally was rebellious, God. You covered it in the blood of Jesus, and I am so grateful. And I do not want to walk in the way of my own wisdom anymore, God. Because I love you, God. I want to serve you out of the fullness of who you've said I am. God, I want to serve you because I see you in your glory. I see you in your majesty and I see you in your power. That you are a dreadful king. And yet in that place, you love me and I'm so grateful. Thank you for freeing me from the wrath of God. Thank you for freeing me from your wrath. And I, I, I do believe that, that God, every person in this room will walk away with a big yes in their heart to come after you, to learn you, to know you, to encounter you moment by moment and day by day, that they would begin to invite you and your wisdom into every situation, especially where it hurts, especially where it creates tension, especially, God, where your wisdom doesn't make sense, God. Father, reveal your goodness to us so that we can trust you again fully with all of our hearts today. We love you, Lord. We're grateful. God, let gratitude fill our hearts today. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 I believe very strongly that you're going to enter into a new season after today because God is unrelenting with you. He is unrelenting. He's not going to stop. He won't relent until he has it all. Because he's a good God, you don't have to be afraid of that. You can say, God, you can have it. Come get me. Tell me what I need to do. Show me who I should confess that to so I can be healed. We're about to enter into a season of harvest, a season where, where the world will see a different type of Christian who operates in the wisdom of God instead of the wisdom of man.
And when we begin operating in the wisdom of God, the world will flock to the church because they need to know God. They will see the difference. They're not seeing the difference very well right now. But that's not going to be us. We will be a different kind of people, amen? Who see God clearly and we're willing to operate fully in the wisdom of God. It's your season for transformation. So let him change you. Amen? Amen. May the Lord bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.